When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You're getting this one a little bit earlier here. This would normally be our Monday podcast, but you're getting this one a little bit earlier because Mary Kay Ellis and I are talking J.J. Watt. And of course, we don't want him to sign over the weekend, and all of a sudden, uh, we lose out on giving you this podcast. So Mary Kay Ellis and I talk all things J.J. Watt, whether the Browns should sign him, what it would look like, the case for bringing him to Cleveland, how much it might cost. That's all here on our Friday podcast. Yes, he's going to be 32 years old, but I still think he's got plenty left in the tank. I think a change of scenery will do him good, and they have the money to sign him. Go for it. And away we go here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we are going to talk about J.J. Watt. It was a gift for all of us uh, to see J.J. Watt get released by the Houston Texans. Gives us something to talk about, and look, this is relevant to the Browns. They need to... uh, up their edge rush. Quite frankly, J.J. Watt was a guy I think a lot of people were thinking, do you trade for him? Is he somebody you look at for the Browns? Now, you don't have to trade for him, so let's just kick around this J.J. Watt thing a little bit. Mary Kay, your initial reaction when you saw the news today that Watt was being released? Well, I quickly wrote a column saying that that I think that the Browns should jump on this, and I really do. I think they they should pick up the phone immediately if they haven't done so already and inquire about about signing J.J. Watt. And I actually think they probably will do that because they do need a pass rusher. And when a, when a J.J. Watt falls into your lap, you absolutely 100% have to pursue it. Now, Dan, on a podcast earlier, I think it was last week, at one point, you asked me that question at the end of the podcast, you know, who would you rather have if you could only have one? Richard Sherman or J.J. Watt. I actually did say J.J. Watt for some of the reasons that I put in this column. And that is, I think he would pair very nicely with Miles Garrett. I think that this system that Joe Woods runs uh, would be very conducive to coaxing a double digit sack season, potentially out of J.J. Watt, because Miles Garrett draws the double teams, leaves J.J. a little bit free. He didn't have that luxury last year. In 2019, he was a little bit hurt. But the year before that, in 2018, he had 16 sacks. Yes, he's going to be 32 years old. But I still think he's got plenty left in the tank. I think a change of scenery will do him good. And they have the money to sign him. Go for it. Ellis, your reaction? I was surprised at first. I figured that there would be some sort of trade market for J.J. Watt. But then when you look at that closer, his number being around the $17 million mark, it probably wasn't going to make a lot of sense. There wasn't going to be a team willing to give up a lot of assets for him to come in at that number. So once I broke that down, it made sense. And then when it comes to the marriage and how it would work with Watt in Cleveland, for everything Mary Cage laid out, it, it makes perfect sense. This team was exposed on the edge after losing Olivier Vernon. I, I still think about uh, that Chiefs game and how OV probably would have impacted that game and definitely made Chad Henney's life a little 
more challenging in there. And I, I think he definitely doesn't allow that rush at the end of the game, just being a better athlete uh, than a guy like Adrian Claiborne, who is a role player at this point in his career. I think they, he just was in a spot where they asked him to do a little too much. It's a, it's a glaring need. Now the thing with JJ is if you put on the tape still, like if you watch some, some reps of JJ this year, I mean, he's still got it. I, I don't think he's an every down player, but he is a guy that when he's on the field and playing, you know, let's say there's 70 snaps in a game. If he's playing 60, 64 of them, they're great reps. And offense doesn't even know where he is. He is still facing a, a plethora of double teams. Uh, I, I've mentioned this clip on this podcast before, but the Tennessee Titans twice this year playing against J.J. Watt would run their wide zone schemes away from him just purposely. Just, no, we are not dealing with you. We are running away from J.J. Watt. And in the handful of times that did run at him, they were double and triple teams. Stuff Aaron Donald deals with and that J.J. Watt, the, the guy before Donald, the two, three-time AP Defensive Player of the Year, he's still getting treated like that. Mary Kay said it, though. It's, it's his injury history. And I, I'm pretty sure – I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure this is his first time he's played a full 16-game slate in three or four years. And that, that is, is troublesome. I don't know what the dollar amount necessarily would be for Watt coming in. I'm guessing it is going to be in that 13 to – I mean, he was going to make 17 this year. So, I mean, he's going to command the type of money that Jadavion Clowney was looking for last year. I'm sure Mary Kay probably has a little more to say on that. But it, it makes sense. Now, I think there's other options out there that are attractive for J.J. Both his brothers play in Pittsburgh. He's got Wisconsin connections. The Packers are looking for an edge rusher. So there's going to be a market for him. But specifically for the Browns, I think he'd pair well, not just to bookend each end, but I think his versatility also. He's built like a defensive tackle. He's just athletic enough to play on the end. So they could slide him in. I mean, imagine putting Miles Garrett and J.J. Watt on the same side of the football. Now, I mean, just strategically, X and O's wise, you can't really double team both. They're both on the same side of the ball. So uh, my wheels are spinning with this one. If it does end up happening, I'd love to break down some tape on it. And, and like Mary Kay said, it's a match that makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to throw some things at you. I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Are we sure J.J. Watt is your absolute answer at number two pass rush? If you sign him, he's your guy that's going to be your number two pass rusher. You know what? I'm going to say yes. And uh, and Ellis brought up the the 16 game thing. That's very true that he has had an injury history kind of over the last five years. In those last five years, he has only had two 16 game campaigns. But the good news about that is that two out of the last three years have been 16 game seasons for him. So 2018 was 16 games. 2020 was 16 games. So that's pretty good for a guy who was 31 uh, this year. Uh, So, you know, I feel pretty confident about that. Now, last year it was, uh, it was a torn pec. He actually returned at the, in December and he came back and made a big impact play in that wild card game against the bills, came back right away and he made an impact. So I feel pretty good about that aspect of it. And he just seems like, I don't know, the Watt family. I mean, they seems like they have the same, uh, you know, the same makeup, physical makeup as the, the, as Tom Brady, where they're just almost, they can be ageless. I don't know if it's the avocado ice cream or what, but JJ Watt seems like, like he can produce another double digit sack season. I feel like he can do it in Joe Woods defense 
which emphasizes attack, 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 go forward, get to the quarterback, maximize your rush potential. With Miles taking the heat off of him, I think he would be rejuvenated like nobody's business. And I also think the change of scenery will do him good. I think he was beaten down. I think he was beaten down last year uh, with the Houston Texans in the same way that Deshaun Watson was. He needed, he needs a change of scenery. I actually think he would love it here. I mean, this, this is a good place to be now. This players love playing for this coaching staff. They love Kevin Stefanski. They love Joe Woods. I think he would love it here. I think now, obviously, as you guys mentioned, he has the opportunity possibly to go play with not just one brother in TJ Watt, but two brothers in Pittsburgh in TJ and Derek Watt, the fullback who actually got a few touches and ran the ball a couple of times against Cleveland in that wildcard game. I mean, how great would that be for those brothers to play together? He would love that, but the net, but they don't have any cap money. I mean, they they are cap and cash strapped. I mean, they are $27 million in the hole right now. If it were going to happen in Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger would have to restructure his contract. Somebody else would probably, you know, they, they need to move around space. They need to, to acquire some cap space to sign somebody like a JJ Watt. But for the amount of money that you would have to pay him, they were willing to pay Jadavian Clowney $17 million last year. They were willing to, that was basically the offer that they made Jadavian Clowney. They had a couple different offers out for him. One was for a one-year contract, which I think was in the $17 million range. And then they had a multi-year contract, which was also double-digit, mid-double-digit mid teen millions. So I think that they would be willing to do this. This is a football team that pays a premium for the pass rush. They're willing to shell out those dollars. And I think the, I think that the money would be there for him. And I think he would love it here. So Ellis, I'll, I'll throw this at you. S- same question, but now with the Clowney thing, if they would have paid Clowney $17 million last year, it would have been a disaster. Does that raise a red flag at all? Or is Watt just different? Like you would trust Watt to come in and be your number two. Right. I love the question, Dan, because we just need to set the record straight that JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney are two completely different football players. I mean, JJ Watt's still, again, as I, as I started this podcast saying, commanding double teams, being the focal point of offensive game plans, avoiding him at the point of attack where Javion Clowney teams could give a rip where he is in the formation. They understand that he's athletic, but he has remained undisciplined in his rush lane integrity. He, he freelances at times. And, and there are instances when you watch Javion's tape where it's advantageous to attack him because he gets so irresponsible at times. And then not to mention the history, injury history. The guy has had knee issues for three or four years now. And there's a reason J.J. Watt's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer who just had another all-pro caliber season. And Javion Clowney is still, to be quite frank, a guy who is riding his first overall pick status and has milked that for every dollar it's worth. It may sound like a tough criticism of Javion Clowney, but I, it's just – for three years now, I just have not been impressed with what he puts on tape. J.J. Watt is a completely different player. Again, a guy you could move inside in a three technique as a, as a defensive tackle, though it's not work that he is wants to do often, a lot like Miles Garrett. Like, okay, I can play inside. I don't want to. They can do it if they'd like. Jadavion has no chance inside. Anything they were going to pay Clowney, Watt deserves all that cash. But the one thing Clowney and Watt have in common 
is that injury history. And, and Mary Kay is right. You know, Watts games last year were 16 year before that eight, the year before that 16. And then you've got the two years before that, where you had struggled with like three and five, you just get concerned on the guy in the back end of his career who goes as hard as Watt does. This guy doesn't take a play off and that may sound cliche, but just turn the tape on. He plays at a million miles an hour, every rep. And at his age, you just don't know. I think the risk is worth the reward considering like Mary Kay said, you're getting 16 games, two of the past three seasons. And he, he, he plugs a, a, a gaping hole, a necessity in this Browns defense. And I think the combination of Watt, Adrian Claiborne, and then another defensive end that they could find between rounds two and four, let Watt take on about 65, 70% of that responsibility. Let Claiborne be the kind of the Chris Hubbard of the defense. He'll, 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 he'll plug, miles or watt whenever they need a breather and then let a rookie come in there and get some reps too. a nice three-headed monster at the defensive end spot led by two future hall of famers and miles garrett and jj watt i mean i can't blame browns fans for getting excited i'm getting excited thinking about it i want to cut this tape have they signed him yet hey it's dan we're going to take a quick break and i'm going to tell you about football insider where you can subscribe to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com slash browns You also get a newsletter every single day with exclusive content that's written by Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, or me. It goes right to your inbox. That stuff doesn't show up anyplace else on the site. You get that every single day, including on the weekends, in your inbox. That's just for our Football Insider subscribers. And then there's our texting, where Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with news and analysis. We do Q&As. We answer questions. We have opportunities to come on the podcast and make picks. We do roundtables, all sorts of fun things with our texters, and we're going to start putting together some stuff for you to enjoy here in the offseason. So all you need to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that banner, get all the information you need, get yourself signed up, and get yourself access to all of that exclusive content that we have available only for our Football Insider subscribers. Let's throw some contract numbers out there now. You You mentioned the clowny number. What's it going to cost to get Watt in your guys' minds? What, what would you give him? Are we talking about an Olivier Vernon type deal? Maybe two years, 10 to 12 million a year? Or is it less? Where, where would you guys kind of put that number in your head? Mary Kay, I want you to go for it. I want to see what you have to say about this. Well, you know what? Here, here's the thing. Pass rushers are at a premium. And proven pass rushers especially. And again, then you're also talking about a future Hall of Famer. You're talking about the three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So you're, you're going to pay up for that, okay? I mean, you're, you're going to pay up for some of the past history as well. Uh, so I think it'll be more than that. I, I think you'd have to pay him more than that. Now, you can do an incentive-laden contract, but as we mentioned, if they were willing to pay Jadavian Clowney $17 million a year, I yeah. would have to think that, that JJ is going to be in demand from a lot of teams, and I think people are going to, I guess you might say, overpay for him. So I think the number is going to come in pretty high. I mean, I, th- I think the number could come in at, you know, $14, 15000000 million a year. I mean, that, that's what I'm thinking. And f- quite frankly, I would pay it. I, I would pay it because I think they would get out of him, you know, something closer, not the 28, not the 16 sacks he had in 2018, which were second only to Aaron Donald that year. I, I think that he would fall somewhere between the five he had last year and those 16, but I still see double digits 
with the supporting cast that he has around him. And that's going to be important to him. The supporting cast is a big deal and he's got it here. This is a good defensive line. And as you guys mentioned already, when you have a rotation and you don't have to play every single snap and you can stay fresh and you can, you know, bring Adrian Claiborne in there occasionally and, you know, funnel guys through and still be going strong in the fourth quarter. I think that's absolutely huge. So I would go ahead and pay it. And the other thing just real quick is Browns fans would love him. Okay. They would embrace him. He is everything that Browns fans love in a, in a player and in a person. And I just think the overwhelming amount of love that he would feel from these fans and how he would be embraced here would re-energize him. Like even he doesn't even realize the, the amount of an impact that that would have on him. Yeah. So for the listeners, I was telling Mary Kay and Dan this uh, before we started recording, I was just at a, a little engagement brunch for my, my college quarterback. He proposed to his longtime girlfriend. Congratulations, Joel Newman. Sometimes he listens and downloads. So who knows? He might be listening, but we both played college football in Wisconsin and I have compared Browns fans to Packer fans since I, I took this job in Cleveland and then it is the most complimentary way as in y'all are passionate y'all care like none other about this squad and but most importantly like Mary Kay lays out you care about the quality of person that rosters on the Browns and the type of leader that they are it's why Baker Mayfield works so well in Cleveland and it is why J.J. Watt would be just an extension of that type of transparent leadership that embodies, I think, the Cleveland area. And he got that from his Wisconsin upbringing. I think it's a perfect match. I want to ask you guys this because I'm going to state what I think. And then if there's any pushback from either Dan or Mary Kay, please feel free. I think we have, I, I feel as if though here, the Browns are at a disadvantage, like any free agent market. And we saw it last year. You overpay in the free agent market. It's just the name of the game. They overpaid for Austin Hooper. The Conklin contract's going to age well, whatever. It's, it's a tackle, but you can't go wrong there. But that Hooper contract, you know what you're getting. You overpaid. You had to. The reason I think the Browns are in a position where they're going to have to overpay to land Watt is because it just wouldn't surprise me if he looks at Pittsburgh and just goes, you know what? Make it work. Mm-hmm. For me to share a football field with my two younger brothers – you can't put a price on that in a way it'd be like when LeBron James is picking his team when his son, Bronny James gets into the league. I mean, sure. Is LeBron going to want $30 million in four years to play for with his son? Yeah, of course. But if that can't make it work, he's not going to let numbers dictate and stop him from making history and playing with his son. And just that photo op of those three wearing the same Jersey, I can't imagine what that would mean to them mom and dad and the the Watts everywhere across Wisconsin for that moment. So like, could the Steelers command JJ Watt for eight or 9 million a year? And would the Browns have to pay 12, 13 or 14? I think that's what we're looking at. Would you guys agree? I'm curious to see how he approaches that. And look, that subway, that subway money will make up for whatever he gives up (laughs) with the Steelers. Yeah. I'm curious. I'd, I'd be interested to see how much, you know, the, the number that final number is, I, I tend to look at, I tend to look at it this way, guys. We always say like, this guy's going to be different. He's going to give a hometown discount or whatever, but it usually does come down to the money. Uh, But maybe this is going to be a little different because it's such a unique situation to to go play in Pittsburgh. Or 
you know, the other part of this is, does he want to go home and play for Green Bay? And, the, and those are the two things that the Browns are, are really fighting against if they exactly. are really interested in bringing in J.J. Watt. I'm going to throw some names out to you guys. Uh, again, just playing devil's advocate, but Mary Kay, I want to hear your answer to that question first. Yeah, I think the brother discount will be huge. I really think that that once you get to a certain point in your career, getting ready to turn 32, that is going to be enormous to have the chance to play with TJ and Derek and to have and to make it be a family affair in a perfect world. I think that is exactly what he would want to do. So that's going to be the first place to look and that means that the Browns potentially might have to face the brothers Watt twice a year for the next few years. And, and that really would, would be something the Browns would have to, if the Steelers don't have the money to do it. And, I, and again, I think he, that he would take less to do that. If they just can't make it happen, then I think the Browns have a lot to offer. We've mentioned um, many of those things already. And as you guys said, going back to green Bay would be, I'm sure enormously attractive to him, but the culture here is so good now. I think all he would have to do is talk to Miles Garrett, you know, for, for half an hour to figure out that, yeah, this is a pretty cool place to be right now. It's just, everybody's in harmony. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. Everybody loves the coaching staff. And then he could talk to, you know, a guy like a, a Nick Bosa to, to find out what, Joe Woods is all about. I mean, he's got plenty of people to talk to and guys really like this defense, especially guys that get to rush the passer. They love this defense. And I think that he would be able to see the wisdom in how he could get back to that pro bowl level again in this D. Okay. I'm going to throw some names out and some months, some projected contracts here from PFF. And some of these guys, you know, look, we're talking about maybe some three, four guys. And some of these guys are, you know, maybe not quite what the Browns are looking for, but I just want to throw some names out and some money. Let's say a guy like Carl Lawson, four years, 13.75 million a year, 25 years old. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, 25 years old, four years. These are PFF projections, 17 and a half million a year for four years for Ngakwe. Um, I'm looking at young guys here. So I'm going to leave Melvin Ingram out. You know, Bud Dupree is 28. You know, one year, 10 million is what they project for him. I've talked endlessly about Trey Hendrickson on this podcast, 26 years old, four years, $12 million a year. Are any of those guys or is a guy like that more interesting to, to any of you at, you know, whatever, between that 12 to 18 million a year range than an older guy like J.J. Watt? Because these are the decisions the Browns have to make, right? Mm-hmm. They have to look at J.J. Watt and say he's in his 30s. We don't know if he can stay healthy. He was healthy last year. The last year that he, you know, a couple years before that, he had a great year in 2018. But maybe they're more interested in a, a younger guy. This is the decision. These are the conversations I'm sure that Andrew Barry and company are having right now in Berea. You know what? It's a really good year if you need if you need a pass rusher. And there's there's plenty of guys that you could go – out and grab, as you mentioned, the Carl Lawson's, the Trey Hendrickson's, the, the Bud Dupree's coming off a, you know, the torn ACL and the Yannick's and the Jadavians who they looked into those guys last year. So I don't think, you know, when I look at this, I don't think they look at it like, Oh, out of these guys, we only want JJ Watt. I don't think it's like that at all. I think they know they need a pass rusher. And I think they will look at uh, a number of these guys 
and I think they will end up with, with somebody and maybe it'll be somebody younger and maybe it'll be somebody a little bit cheaper. So yeah, I don't think it's uh, it would be the end of the world for them if they don't end up with JJ Watt and it's probably a long shot. And if you do look at the betting odds, now some of them have the Browns down way down low, but I've also seen a couple where the Browns are, you know, have like the fourth best chance out of, of the teams that might be interested in, in JJ Watt. So, you know, it's not like this is like super 100% likely to happen. And if it doesn't, I think they have plenty of other good options. To me, this is, comes down to a team building question, a team philosophy. I don't think we know enough about Andrew Barry yet to feel confident either way on how he'll go on this. My gut, and just from things he said to us in the past, I think of the combine last year and his emphasis on building internal, internally, resigning internally, and having an emphasis there makes me think that what is more of a one-off that works, you know, a one or two year type guy, much like Adrian Claiborne, just a better player, you know, a, a class higher that they're interested in. When you start talking like Yannick and Gakwe, who I know they were in the trade market for, which is why I, I like, they were interested in all these guys. So it's like, I can't say they have no track record of being this. It's just that it didn't happen. And perhaps if Yannick ended up here or the clowny contract ends up here, I would feel differently about it. But for me, I feel as if this team sees JJ Watt in a different light than the guys you just named, Dan, because now you're talking about a long-term commitment to younger players on second, perhaps third contracts, where you're just paying a higher premium compared to finding your talent in the draft. And I'm in the middle, like a lot of us, of a draft study and, for our listening audience, this will do nothing for you unless our incredible video guy, Dave Anderson, throws us in the, the video extension of this. But I am I am deep in this, you know, 2021 defensive ends and this, you know, this page, I could keep spinning these pages, but again, does nothing for our listening audience. It's a deep class. It is a deep class of not just edge rushers, but specifically four, three defensive ends. So big ends, they call them, because you got to be 6'5", 265, 270, to hold that end and set that edge, you know, TJ Watt wouldn't play in this Browns defense. If he was on this team, they'd find a way to make it work, but you get my point. They're looking for traditional big defensive ends and this class is loaded. So to me, the route that makes the most sense and I'll, I'll bookend it saying this, the route that makes the most sense to me is acquire JJ Watt, lean on him, Adrian Claiborne and a rookie, a lot like Jordan Elliott this year, let him, you know, kind of sniff and get some chances and build that way because this draft is deep rather than, I don't want to say mortgage the future, but invest more money in a foreign product because we've already talked on this pod at times about the long list of double digit annual salaries that this team needs to deal with. I mean, there's going to hit a point where all five offensive linemen are worthy of between 12 and 15 million. They've got two receivers making that. What about Nick Chubb? What about Baker? What about Denzel? I mean, we could keep going, right? So do you add another player to that equation or do you take the J.J. Watt option as a short-term thing and then groom that defensive end in waiting? To me, that sounds like a, 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 a both a safer option that still solidifies your needs and makes you better rather than doing stuff like grabbing Yannick Ngakwe, which I think is much more 
on par with what the teams like the Ravens do or the Saints, where they just do it and then figure out their cap later, and it might be a mess, and they'll they'll just go and try and figure this out, and it probably bites some of these teams in the butt later. The Browns just don't seem like that type of team yet, but we've only had one season of Andrew Barry, so I could be wrong. But to me, I think it's Watt, Claiborne, a mid-round rookie, and they go from there. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, Ellis. I, like, I, I've tried to sort of throw – play a little devil's advocate here, but I'll be honest, looking into J.J. Watt today, spending time doing that, I couldn't talk myself out of it. I couldn't right. say, oh, no, you absolutely can't sign this guy. He's still a good player. Now, I don't know that I'm running to give him $15 million or $17 million, but I mentioned that Olivier Vernon money. I, I would give him that. I'd give him two years – 10 to 12 million a year and take that approach of either at 26 or in the second round, I'm going to stack that position and I'm going to have the guy that's going to come in and play, maybe even take snaps away from JJ Watt, who knows, but I'm going to bring in JJ Watt on that short-term deal. Not, not loads and loads of money, good enough money to get him here and see what he can give me for the year and have a young guy that I'm kind of bringing in behind him who can compete. Like I said, maybe that guy's good enough to start taking snaps away from him. That, that's sort of how I approach it. I, I view it sort of as an Olivier Vernon type of thing. And, and what about this? Because, Dan, I completely agree with you on the Ovi thing. And let's just make it a one-year deal. Like, let's say that Pittsburgh just doesn't have the money yet, and J.J. Watt is at a point in his career where he can kind of do the Ndamukong Sue thing. You know, how many teams has Ndamukong Sue played for since he left Detroit who drafted him? I mean, I can think of a Rams jersey. He just won a Super Bowl with Tampa. I'm sure I'm missing one more in between that. Like it could just be a, all right, I'm going to do this one year deal with the Browns, regardless of how it goes. I know that eventually I want to get to Pittsburgh, at least for a season that can always be an option for me later. I'll I'll take the bigger money now. And even if he got hurt, there's always going to be a spot for him in Pittsburgh just because the story's too good and he's still a a decent player. So I I think what I'm trying to say is that I don't, I'd be surprised if Watt's looking for long-term security here because it seems like he's at a point of his career after spending his entire career thus far with one organization where keeping his options open might be just as beneficial to him as it would be the Browns. I think the other thing to look at here uh, when, when you're talking about roster building and, and trying to put this defense together for next year, I, I do agree. I would definitely, definitely be drafting an edge rusher. They ha- you have to do that. You definitely have to do it. You got to get your next good guy uh, and you got to start bringing him along and grooming him. However, unless you take that guy at 26, it's going to be hard to find somebody that is a slam dunk, come in here and get eight to 10 sacks kind yeah. of a guy, right? Usually those guys are gone in the top 15, 20 of the draft. Quite often, they're gone in the top five, top six, right? So I think it's going to be wise and necessary to sign a veteran proven sacker, you know, like what you had with an Olivier Vernon. Somebody that you know is going to get to the quarterback and sack him, or at least get him off his mark plenty of the time. So I, I think it's important to add a guy who's done it before, and then to go out and get your young guy that you can bring along, uh, get him some experience this year, as you guys mentioned, like with the, you know, with what Jordan Elliott did, because that's probably where you're going to end up unless you trade up into the first, in, you know, higher up into the first round and grab 
one of the best pass rushers in the draft. Now that's deep enough in the draft to get a good one a little bit later, but you don't necessarily want to rely on that rookie to give you what you need on that side, which I think is about nine sacks. Yeah. Mary Kay, I completely agree with you. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like we talked so much last off season about the OV contract and how the Browns and it was, that comp pick was sexy, right? Like, okay, OV is going to produce and then they're going to let him walk and they get that, that comp pick. I wonder now if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, they just would have brought him back because I mean, mm-hmm. that's the exact guy they're looking for now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they would have, I, I yeah. absolutely think that, uh, that they would have brought him back because I think, he flourished in this Joe Woods offense. I think he was very happy here. They loved him. He was a great part of the team. Gets along with Sheldon, who is a you know leader on that defensive line. And he's just, you know, he was just a good fit. So I, I agree. I think that uh, that they would have probably brought him back if not for that. Any chance they bring him back cheaper? Maybe. Because, I mean, nobody's going to pay him. Yeah. Is yeah. there a chance they bring Olivier Vernon back too? And maybe yes. next November he's getting back on the field and you get – I don't know, a couple sacks out of him. Yeah, yeah. That Achilles, I agree with Mary Kay. Like, it, it is – there's no reason why it shouldn't be a possibility. Um, but a guy like Eric Fisher, that you know, the, the Chiefs left tackle now, is in a very similar spot. You know, tearing your Achilles that late in the season at that age, just there's mm. just so much unknown. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's a tough injury. I mean, they have every reason to believe that Grant Delpit is coming back and he's going to be right. their, their starting safety next year. And I, I have not heard – one thing other than that. Now he had many months, obviously on Olivier Vernon that happened on August 18th. So for Olivier, it happened so late on January 3rd, that it's going to be hard for him to, uh, you know, to come back as strong as you would need him to come back to be able to play this season and, and be effective, but never say never when you like a guy and he has been productive for you and you can get him at the right price and he likes it here. And he did like it here. He really likes it here. All of those things could lead to something, you know, something of some kind of a return. Olivier, here's $2 million. We just need you to come back and get one sack in January. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Sometimes that's it's that simple. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's that simple. Okay. Yeah. So that, so there you have it. We got the gift that we needed today. JJ Watt released by the Houston Texans in this so, sort of starting out slow period here in the off season. And I think we're all kind of in agreement on this, honestly. He's worth taking a look at. He's worth signing at the right price and you can still bring somebody in behind him. There's a lot of options you can still do if you were to sign JJ Watt. Real oh, go quick. Ahead. Yeah. I just want to ask Mary Kay, like fans shouldn't expect really any real rumblings on this until March or like when can, I mean, stuff talk, gets talked about on Twitter, but like we're not going to have any real concrete information on what could happen with JJ Watt. So we get to the new league year and whatnot. Right. Or am I off on that? No, he can, he can go ahead and, and sign. He's, going to be released okay so he doesn't have to wait for you know for any time frame okay or time or timetable fun all right then we're waiting yeah he's he's a he's going to be a free agent he can sign whenever that happens and you know the thing that might slow it down though is of course if he doesn't want to sign with pittsburgh they got to free up all that money sure mm-hmm. all of that stuff so yep. we'll kind of see all that plays out who knows maybe andrew barry's been on the phone with jj's agent already <laughs> trying to say, hey, we've got the money for you right now if you want it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast for Ellis and Mary Gambian. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>